0: The sermon I will read this afternoon was prepared by Reverend Ruben Bradenhoff of the Free Reformed Church of Mount Nazira, Western Australia. Brothers and sisters, it's hard to be content. That can be an elusive state of mind. When we accept our position, what we have and where we're going. When we accept all this from the Father's hand and we live at peace, contentment That's not always longing for more, being jealous or envious, but finding satisfaction in Christ and being truly thankful. It's not easy because of the kind of world we live in. We live in a society that's always flashing in front of us beautiful and exciting things. Things that we think we want, a newer vehicle, a bigger home, a fancier vacation, the best technology, a better body, and lots of good times. We're told we need it. We even deserve it. Contentment is also hard when we can stay up to date with what everyone else around us is doing and buying. Complete with well filtered Insta pictures, we get an online window into how interesting and exciting their lives are, how happy they seem, especially compared to us and our boring existence. Like all our problems, this one springs from the sinful heart. By nature, ours is a heart that doesn't rest easy. We see that with Adam and Eve, when they weren't happy with their position before the Creator. They let their eyes wander to the attractive fruit, pleasing to look at and desirable for gaining wisdom. And they went ahead and took it. And we still want things we can't have or things we don't have, then discontentment can take hold. And so in his mercy, God has given us the 10th commandment, you shall not covet. That is, you shall not set a sinful desire on blessings that God has not granted you, whether it's a better job or a more interesting spouse or a fancier RV or anything. The Lord desires that his children be content where not even the slightest thought, contrary to any of God's commandments, should ever arise in our hearts. God wants us to turn our eyes away from things we don't have, and to look at what we do have. We have him as Lord and Savior. I read to you God's word as it's summarized in Lord's Day 44, under the theme and points. In the Tenth Commandment, God calls us to be content. Our struggle against dissatisfaction and our path towards true peace in Christ. Our struggle against dissatisfaction. We've already said that contentment is a hard-fought thing. It's hard to turn off all the noise of bad desires and envies and turn on the sweet sounds of gentle peace. You probably know that from your own life too. Some days I think we do feel almost perfectly at rest. We feel like anything could happen and we'd be fine. For we consider our family, our job, our future, and we're filled with gratitude. At moments like that, we're glad to be where we are, to have what we have, and we're glad to know the Lord. But how different it is a few days later. Suddenly, our work isn't going so well. Or there's some bad news in the family. The utility rates are going up. Or you've got a sore back again, and you didn't sleep well last night. Our contentment melts away so quickly, there can be many circumstances that make it a struggle for us. And this struggle makes sense. This is how the Catechism explains it. In this life, even the holiest have only a small beginning of the obedience which God requires Question and answer 114. As long as we live on this earth, we're always going to be wrestling with the weaknesses and sinfulness of our character. Paul speaks about contentment in Philippians 4. Here he says, it was something, it was something he had to work at, in verse 12. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need, First, underline the main verb in that sentence, I have learned. If there's anything that the Bible says you have to learn, then you know it's not going to come naturally to us. We need to work at it. So just what is the state of mind, state of heart called contentment? Paul's words and the background of his words can help us a lot. He wrote to the Philippians from prison in Rome, and sitting there, Paul's coming death was very much in his thoughts. He even wrote in chapter 1, I have the desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Paul knew the end of life could very well be near. Yet, Paul isn't paralyzed with fear. He doesn't invite his fellow prisoners to a pity party. No, Paul picks up the pen and writes in order to encourage the Philippians to keep living in unity and humility, and he wants to thank them for their gifts. The church at Philippi had been generous to Paul. They thought they had heard that he was in prison, so they sent him money to provide for his needs. In Roman prisons there was no cafeteria and no vending machines. Getting your daily food and drink was up to you. So Paul greatly appreciates the Philippians' kindness and concerns for him, even though recently, he says, they lacked opportunity to show it. Perhaps they couldn't find a reliable messenger to bring the support, or they didn't know the prison where Paul was being kept. Paul knew that they cared. Only only their mercy met some obstacle yet it didn't matter for paul was content even if their support never arrived paul wanted to tell them he was okay for as the apostle sat there he didn't see anything lacking he writes not that i respeak in regard to not that i speak in regard to need this is a remarkable statement i've got no worries not a care in the world he says despite his terrible condition Despite the uncertainty of where his next meal is coming from, Paul is not in need. As he continues, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Paul was at peace, satisfied, in whatever state. And for him, this wasn't some theoretical or distant idea. As an apostle, he'd experienced much suffering, being beaten, going hungry and homeless, getting shipwrecked, left all alone, and now imprisoned again. He's not exaggerating when he says, I know how to be abased. Paul had gone through the very worst of times. Few of us have missed many meals or lost our freedom of movement. Few have gone homeless or faced an angry mob or had to think About the looming day of our execution but Paul has been brought very low from a human perspective it should have been impossible for him to be at peace yet he can say I'm okay whatever happens so what was his secret was Paul some kind of super Christian is it even possible for regular people like us to share in his peace we can Because he tells us about the contentment's true source. He tells us what we need to know to live and die in the joy of salvation. The secret is in the very next verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now everyone likes that text on a bookmark or a wall hanging, it's inspiring. But when we read it together, with his testimony and contentment, it's even more remarkable. Paul sitting there in prison, wondering how long his head would be attached to his body, facing hunger, facing the end, was at rest. And it was all because Paul knew the great power and faithfulness of the Lord Jesus. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Here's what this means. Paul knew and can know that God, for the sake of Christ, will never withdraw his blessing. God, for the sake of Christ, will never forget one of his children. No matter what we face in this life, Christ gives courage and trust. He loves us so much that he died for us. And he'll also help us hold on to what's truly important, even to the end. in christ there's always cause for a christian to rejoice because he's given something eternal something more precious than anything we could ever gain or buy or achieve jesus suffered to give us peace with our maker he died to take away god's wrath against our sin then christ rose from the dead to deliver us from satan and sin even from the grip of the grave that's everything we're going to need so cling to Christ and live in his peace. This is the power of contentment you have, to ac- you have access to today through the powerful and gracious and life-restoring presence of the triune God. You can live in communion with a God who's able to give us all things and who delights to bless us. He sees the burdens, the hardships, and the pain we carry. He understands far better than we do the gifts that we depend on for living god knows the encouragement we crave the hope we need for being able to carry on he knows he cares and for jesus sake he helps also when things are well with us peaceful and prosperous we can rest in god Some of us certainly know what it is to be abased, but most of us have a lot more experience in knowing what it is to abound. We have been greatly blessed, and it's especially when things are well that we need to keep seeking the Lord. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul says the same things. He tells those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in certain riches. Don't ever let your peace in life depend on the gadgets you have or the position you fill, the strength you possess or how many friends surround you. We need that warning because even as those who know Christ, we are easily dissatisfied with our lot in life. We're impatient with how God is directing us. We're envious of what others have. We might not We might look for our peace through uncertain things. We might keep on looking for our happy place here on earth, but we'll never find it. True rest only comes from knowing God through Jesus, his son, says Paul. We can keep our hope in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Even if we don't have much, even if there's much that's difficult about our present condition, Our Father will take care in every way. If we know that, and if we trust Him, doesn't it make every difference? All our needs are going to be met through God's riches in Christ. As Paul did, we too can look back and see God's faithfulness. Has God ever forsaken you? Ever withheld what you needed? Ever done evil against you? No. Whatever you faced, God was there in his love. Whatever you had to deal with, he made it possible. Abounding or abased, we can be content, for we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Our path towards true peace in Christ, it sounds simple. Contentment is all very straightforward on a Sunday afternoon but it's much harder to practice on Monday morning. Being content still goes against the grain of our hearts and against the spirit of the age. And there are many of God's children who have to carry around grief and disappointment, who must battle against pain or disease. Then we wonder what an invisible God can do to help. For all our praying, God doesn't make automatic deposits into our checking account. God doesn't miraculously take away our depression or restore our family's brokenness. God doesn't grant us every desire of our hearts. Yet, God does give peace. Paul learned this through years of hardships, through the countless days and nights of trials. He learned to see God's sanctifying purpose in pain. He learned to treasure the Father's good gifts. He learned to center his life on what was most important, the gospel of salvation through Christ. This is what we have to learn too. For recall the truth, recall that key truth, contentment takes an effort. It's something to learn and learn again. So what can you, you and I do to secure a steady peace for our hearts? What's the path towards true peace? First, let's learn to reject the false methods of contentment and sort through the lies of this world. You know that so many things promise peace of mind. If you buy this kind of car or wear this kind of clothes, you'll be cool. If you achieve this level of savings, you can retire early. If you live in this kind of neighborhood or have this kind of body, you'll gain the admiration of all. As we said before, contentment is closely attached to those passing things. And by nature, we said, we get so attached to these things. Living and working in this world, we hear it all the time and we start to buy into it. Maybe I do need more than what I have right now. Maybe my life would be better if I made more money or had more free time. If this one thing just was just different, then surely I could be happier. We have covetous hearts that are inclined to set our desires on what doesn't belong to us. But this is how God warns us in 1 Timothy 6 verse 9. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction. Coveting what we don't have, whether money or pleasure or power or prestige, coveting so often leads only to misery. Instead, get to know the power of God and have a confidence in the Lord's strength and goodness. As Paul tells us a few verses before, rejoice in the Lord. Even there in prison, with every excuse to be miserable, he took the time to rejoice in God. He rejoiced in how the Lord had provided him with everything in Christ, everything truly essential. We too should learn to rejoice in God's daily goodness, even if we don't have endless resources. Paul says having food and clothing, with these things we shall be content. That's a lesson for us to focus on what we have, to open our eyes to God's gifts. Do you have this day's meals? Do you have somewhere to sleep tonight? Clothing for your body? A car to drive to work? Energy to get out of bed again tomorrow? Even breath in your lungs? Rejoice that it's all a gift of his grace. You have what you need. The way, the way to this contentment is also paved with prayer, writes Paul to the Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's so much that we could be anxious about. Our work, our family, our health. So many plans unfulfilled. So many concerns burden us. From the moment we wake to the time we finally fall asleep, there's much in your life that you might wish to be different. But Paul says, don't be anxious. Or like Peter says, cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. Don't be anxious but pray. For when we pray, we're entrusting our concerns to God. When we pray, we're not taking it with us, but we're laying our troubles at the Father's feet. And as we do, our confidence begins to grow. This is what I know. The Almighty God is in control of all things. The Father will take care of my life. He is able more than able. And that's the effect of prayer that Paul describes After calling us to present all our requests and anxieties and thanksgiving to God, he points out the sure result. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We gain the peace of God, the contentment that comes from trusting in the power and faithfulness of God. It's not automatic. We don't always experience it. The moment that we're done offering up our petitions but the peace does come as sure as god's promise when there is no reason at all to expect it when no human explanation can be offered for it we're granted a peace that passes all understanding it comes from god it comes from knowing god and our contentment gains some staying power Sung longevity. When we make it our habit to seek after the things of God, Paul argues, urges us in the same chapter, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. The Spirit calls us to seek the better things. Don't get caught up chasing empty dreams. Don't give your life for human goals. Don't let your reason for living be having fun or being better than other people or building your own small kingdom. For then, you'll never find contentment. But seek the things that are above. This is how the Catechism describes this process of growing in better and holier things, while praying to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit, never striving to be renewed more and more after God's image. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, covet these things and find your delight in them And what are such excellent and praiseworthy things? It's knowing the goodness of God's word and his kingdom. It's embracing the riches of the gospel and the blessing of the spirit. It's realizing who you are in Christ and living that out with joy. It's dedicating yourself to doing good. It's enjoying the fellowship of believers. When Paul gave instruction to Timothy, he encouraged the same thing. Now, Timothy was a young man. He could have been distracted by all the exciting things going on around him in the big city, ensnared by everything that the world promised. But Paul tells him, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Pursue these things. This is the only life worth living. Where we, with earnest purpose, strive to walk with Christ. This kind of godliness with contentment is great gain. For if we desire the Father, delight in His Son, and are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the God of peace will be with us. We know, says Paul to Timothy, that we brought nothing into the world, and it is a certain we can carry nothing out. The fact is, one day we'll leave this life, and on that day, what will we have? If we've tried to store up treasures on earth, we'll have nothing at all. If we've tried to build peace by our own efforts, on that day, we'll be most unhappy. For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Instead, we can have something much better. The triune God is whom we need more than anything. For life and death and eternity, he's all we need. Brothers and sisters, have you learned to be content in him? Do you have peace, whatever your lot and your condition, whatever your circumstances? Or to ask the question better, are you still learning about this contentment? Are you still asking God to teach you about it? Are you trying to find in Christ your highest joy, your greatest treasure, your truest peace? Seek him and his strength, for in Christ God promises you peace that passes all understanding. Amen. Let us rise and sing in response from Psalm 37 stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 16.